Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter. I am Ashraf Engineer. The representation of women in positions of power in India and across South Asia is appallingly low. In 2017 study by the Interparliamentary Union, India ranked 149th in a list of 193 countries in terms of women's representation in the lower house of parliament. The average percentage of women's representation globally stood at 22%, but in India it was a mere 11.8%. It trailed countries like Rwanda, Burundi, Zimbabwe, Iraq, Somalia, Saudi Arabia, Fiji, and Ghana. In South Asia, Nepal, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Bangladesh ranked much higher. All Indians matter. We have on the show Naima Ahmed, a Lahore-based legal expert with several years of experience with law and policy institutions across South Asia. She was part of a UN Women's Project aimed at amending legislation and making it pro-women, and has assisted various government institutes recommending legal reforms that are pro-women. In her recent consultancy with the international NGO I Pro Bono, she was a legal analyst for a project focused on empowering vulnerable communities of women and transgenders, especially after the passing of laws related to their protection. In this connection, she has connect- conducted various gender sensitization and legal awareness trainings for the police and vulnerable communities. Naima holds an LLB from the University of London and a specialist LLM in law, governance, and development from the School of Oriental and African Studies. Her research interests include women's rights laws. Welcome to the show, Naima. Thank you for having me, Ashur. And thank you all for listening. Before we start, I'd like to point out that India is a signatory to the Convention for Elimination of Discrimination Against Women, which obliges it to eliminate discrimination against women in political and public life. In particular, it must ensure that women are as eligible as men to contest elections to all public bodies, and that they have the right to participate in framing government policy and its implementation. However, we are a long way from achieving that. Naima, as women rise to the top, whether in politics, business, or community, they face resistance, discrimination, social stereotypes, and double standards. Could you detail what you have seen in your work across the subcontinent? Yes, Esther, that's a very uh, insightful question, and you know, which requires a lot of uh, layering and nuanced uh, answer. I wish I could sum it up uh, in the discussion that we will have today. But you know, I have seen women before us and. now still date struggle to make their mark against all odds not because they weren't given space and opportunities but the fact that they protested against their exclusion in my work across the subcontinent as a woman till date i faced some very stereotypical notions of how you may act or move or be seen Absolutely. as a man due to your yeah. tone or the simple demeanor that intimidates and uh, that is i have to also add for both the gender men and women alike um it's an embedded embedded notion world over the one which has been perpetuated by patriarchy of how uh, women need to act any less um and be submissive so you know when we talk about how women are presented in the community in business and vis-a-vis their participation in politics their um, positioning in terms of um, you know looking at them less than a human Uh, comes an issue, and you know, especially in my part of the region, um, their honor is suddenly needs to be guarded. And you know, um, you know, especially especially in my field of law, it's a very heavily male-dominated society. So if I have had to make a mark, I really have had um, you know tough time to speak up and show up, um, and not to take basically things personally. but it's a life skill to hold your own and and professional life is nonetheless any different 
against all compromises that life throws your way so uh, you know um, my 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 work is is certainly very very uh, tough to pierce through uh, the legal field but you know i'm holding my ground and um, doing well <laughs> but uh, naima you know this this is evident in the fact that more than 90% of heads of state across the world are men in fact no country in the world has more than 50% female participation in a national legislature and 73% of countries have less than 20% female participation so how can women across the subcontinent demonstrate greater political will and mobilization you know this demonstration can uh, only possibly uh, frankly if women are only sitting in the in the positions where decisions are being made this demonstration can only uh, happen um, on an equal level playing field so the concept of gender inclusivity needs to exist not just uh, as a cosmetic tool but to take in the view of the female gender so that when any kind of scoping um, which impacts all gender is done female voice is not neglected but instead given that agency to reflect major changes that impact uh, more than the other more uh, than the other half of the gender so both the sexes need to help each out uh, help each other out to progress and make it into a prosperous country so when we have 90% of head of states just as men there's no inclusion or there's no voice of the female gender so women need to be sitting where powerful decisions are being made so the decisions are not just made for them but including them as well however you know uh, i mean i can quote you know scores of data uh, many reports of the world bank un undp which have time and again pointed out that you know women need to need to sit in those uh, powerful uh, uh, positions which will create a larger impact and not just having men men as heads of state however uh, empirical data can do so much so if mindsets don't change eventually for uh, for um, uh, to, in order to mobilize absolutely i mean i, I think uh, there's not much that can be done unless mindset change you absolutely right so tell me you know naima when there is an underrepresentation of women in positions of power or in decision making positions how does that affect all women in general when it comes to inequality on the ground Ashraf, you know, inequality is a very deep-rooted concept. I mean, I would even go ahead and say it's an evil, uh, quite similar to other other uh, social evils um, uh, in this existing the society. Um, inequality is a breeding ground for many other social evils in the society. So, in our respective countries and across the globe, even uh, women, even women, um, are not uh, do not have agency over their own bodies. You know. So, right. uh, however, you know, it's it's to have an agency over your own person is a basic fundamental right. You know, the other day I came across this quote which said that you can't be what you can't see. So, young girls, you know, women, children uh, need to see role models in whichever careers that they may choose, just so that they can picture themselves doing those jobs someday. So, yeah, if they are not, um, you know, they are they under representation of females is harmful certainly. and it cannot build harmonious sustainable societies um and you know the resources need to be allocated and mobilized from a gender perspective lens in running um any country to reach a reach a healthy economic growth uh, gdp and just overall productive society absolutely but in your experience have you observed that representation tends to be lower in rural areas and higher in urban areas or do you find that it's really the same no matter where you go you know the uh, that's a very interesting question actually um a un women uh, study showed that you know there's 740 million women 
working in the informal economy so you know i mean it, you can see that there can't be uniformity um, as both uh, rural and urban landscapes are very different and they offer different opportunities different resources however in my in my field of work i've seen most of the labor force in informal economy deployed and you know women do surprisingly most of the labor work right. however they are unsung heroes and they are never uh, acknowledged uh, you know so there is a there is a, a huge discrepancy uh, even when we look at the data in the urban and the rural level and the women's representation even though largest chunk of the work women will be doing in the rural areas as well uh-huh. but the fact that you know so many women are working in the uh, informal economy just goes to show how they are not uh, rewarded accordingly and how resources are not allocated to to amplify their voices and their working right absolutely so what you're saying is really that despite having a high, very high proportion of the uh, you know contribution when it comes to the labor or the economy you're not really seeing a yeah. proportionate representation in positions of power or in elected positions yeah yeah and they can't be you know because uh, again you know there is a lack of uh, many factors lack of political will lack of resources you know um, uh, you know archaic mindsets uh, so there's a lot of culture societal handicaps as well absolutely and we seeing that a lot in the subcontinent especially yes. right uh, naima you've done a lot of work around the united nations sustainable development goals so how does underrepresentation of women in power impact the achievement for uh, for instance we know that women in the, on the subcontinent have lower health indicators or suffer greater malnutrition they have higher uh, maternal mortality for example yes so you know asha we we know that it's a global goal for many years um it it, it was a millennium development goal called the mdg initially and then it turned into sustainable development goal called the sdgs the, the un um, uh, sustainable development goal and gender equality is recognized as one of the key accelerators that affect and benefit achievement of other sustainable development goals concerning education poverty economic growth and health right. so essentially um you know even recently when i was working on a un project over there one of the uh, representative did confirm that you know gender equality as a sustainable development goal which is sdg 5 is the key accelerator that affects all the other goals that i just mentioned including education including health including right. economic growth right. so you see the impact is multi multifold here so there is a need to examine the reasons that continue to limit women's access right. to resources and in several part of our developing nations be it algeria uh, you know uh, nepal sri lanka pakistan india you know we need to know what measures are being undertaken to achieve gender equality and it should not just only address lacunas in law and their implementations albeit you know these are really important ones as well however it should be directed towards changing societal attitudes that discriminate against women absolutely and i think you made a really critical point it's not as if the un sustainable development goals are divorced from each other one impacts the other and you really can't achieve them unless you get to the critical gender equality goal first yes and you know under representation only means uh, that when decisions are being made for women there is no chance for women to succeed in positions where they will have a power to make impactful decisions they need to be included in 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 any any impactful decisions and you know one of the critical examples of this is gender uh, gender pay gap you know uh, un women data shows that on average you know women earns 
16% and even more, I, I'm going to go even more and just quote that even more, uh, less than a man for the same job. And this is right. across the globe. And it's not just a question of, uh, you know, the informal economy or whatever. This is, we are seeing it in corporations too, in corporate life too. Definitely. Right. Yeah. So, Zaima, you know, this is really important what you're talking about. So when women have equal representation in power or business, what is the rub off on the economy? How does the economy benefit specifically? Yes, there is a rub off, you know. Um, so, you know, a, a World Bank report uh, shows that women participation certainly helps improve the GDP and overall economic growth of the country. Now, I, I mean, I don't want to start quoting statistical data here, but we need to we need to see how systemic reform um, can can be can be inculcated in in the uh, policy uh, policy data of the countries. You know, for example, in Sweden, uh, any policy reform that comes, you know, uh, forth to the government, uh, it is always looked from a gender perspective lens. Right. So, gender equality is the cornerstone of every political reform. Right. Absolutely. So, for women to have equal representation in power and you need to first make them make um, you know gender equality a part of your policy reform for it to then you know eventually right. rub off on the economy. Yeah. So a lot of data that that comes forward is that women are earning uh, and are uh, contributing into the economy. However, that goes in vain. Right. You know. You know, there's there's also I mean uh, 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 an inconsistency in terms of data mapping as well, where women have been working and they have been contributing to the economy. However, the institutionalization of uh, you know some standard operating procedures are such that despite their despite their contribution, um, we aren't able to achieve or uh, you know acknowledge their rep- uh, uh, contributions. Right. Right. You know, Naima, you mentioned earlier about the gender pay gap, and this is really important. In India, it is estimated at 20%, which is extremely high. But we see a similar situation across South Asia. So how do we rectify this? Yes, you know, I wish I had a you know simple answer to this. Again, uh, you know, it has to start... Um, from the top top down approach you know there has to be political will there has to be institutionalization of reforms that do cater to gender equality you have to uh, you know your your from your uh, economic affairs to your financial uh, departments they need to include um, policies that are reflected from a gender perspective lens so that women are acknowledged at every level and, you know, until and unless resources are not mobilized, right. women, you know, um, will not be able to, we will not be able to curb any kind of gap, be it in terms of, gen, uh, you know, pay gap, be it in terms of their participation, their contributions. So, you know, the, the dynamics need to shift. And then, you know, that also starts from, from a bottoms up approach, which would be essentially changing the mindsets of the society. And I know I've reiterated that. Um, yes. I, I can't stress it enough, you know. Yeah, I think there's the, you, we need to keep saying it again and again. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, you've worked across South Asia on gender equality. And what are the common ways in which governments fail women? Yeah, essentially, I think governments fail women by just not making gender-sensitive legislation. Um, and then, you know, that can have a, a sustainable impact on creating a gender inclusive society. For example, you know, there's a huge, um, you know, uh, issue of rape and honor killing, you know, in our part of the region. Yes. 
and this also requires a perpetual push you know in the form of political uh, will now you know at least in my part of part of the country heaps and heaps of laws have already been drafted time and again however you know ashraf there is a lack of implementation right. you see you can have a law on the paper but in practice nobody is going to implement it if they don't know what 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 is the law actually asking from you right you know the so the the moment there is a democratic transition you know there's a lack of political will and the moment another party comes they have their own agenda and you know gender gender equality is nowhere on the priority list right so you know this is how countries priorities towards women this is how countries feel their women also that's right so there's what you're saying is there's a lot of talk at election time but nothing happens once the election is won and lost yes exactly and you know whenever i worked in the field i will have a legislation in front of me but you need a, a, a perpetual gender sensitization campaign that goes on for example with rape le- uh, legislation you need to sensitize and i've been part of these uh, couple of trainings you know in the punjab side of the region where uh you know you provide sensitization where i've trained police uh, officers however one or two or five uh, trainings are not enough you know because they are unaware they are unaware of the um uh, sen- sensitivities of how to deal with with a uh, new law with women and just general mindset mindset uh, change that's right in fact you know speaking of mindsets uh, there's a need to get to the social heart of the issues too isn't it after all power differences are a reflective reflection of gender differences that we see in society or around us yes definitely you know i i see that daily um in 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 you know uh, my line of work as well and just any industry as well indeed you know there there is a power dynamic uh, that requires a major shift in order to alter the mindset right so if you're standing in a boardroom full of men and they're just two women who have um, any sort of position um, who can call call the shots as well there is there is an obvious gender disparity right there you know so so men might just say yes you right. know we have included women uh, you know you see they 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 you know two women on the board against there's a 7 to 2 ratio but you know it's a cosmetic change still then again you need to see that okay which what is the power uh, that that woman is holding which in that position so um, there is a the right. need to have that gender sensitization for which even governments need to ensure see this is a governmental local and um, national regional government uh, that needs to ensure capacity building as part of their pro- policy reform only then you know this uh, very obvious reflection of gender uh, difference will come to the surface and then you can draft a policy that will not just be a cosmetic change but that will be uh, you know quite a nuanced way to look at how uh, the other half of your population is being affected very deeply right in fact uh, you know i know that the situation isn't perfect in the west but it's definitely done better than south asia right so what has the west done differently that is showing better results as far as gender equality is concerned again i'm saying i know it's not perfect there i know there are a lot of inequalities even in the west but it's certainly doing better than south asia yeah i mean if you talk about data still till date no country has achieved gender equality right but uh, but there are countries that are faring much better for example we have a lot of countries from the euro uh, euro region which is sweden norway you know they're one of the top 5 countries that are close to achieving right. uh, or have very gender uh, equal reforms like i mentioned sweden is one of uh, the core countries which has uh, gender equality as a cornerstone of their uh, 
every every political uh, you know agenda so that is there always at the start that underpins their any policy reform that takes place right so um, you know i mean west you know i can't really comment about how west would mm-hmm. do better however you know maybe they could be a slightly they they're more proactive definitely their national data priorities you know uh, do take into account a global gender uh, perspective and their reforms do include a policy that always underpins every right. decision their data mapping is consistent you know they they do employ resources that mobilize gender equality reforms and there's a constant push from the government you know what our government's lack is the lack of political will right. at the end of the day like i mentioned you know um this is not a priority for uh, the subcontinent right. you know um taking care of their women sadly um so we have a lot of we have a lot of budget constraints and as a result of which you know there's a data if you will not have empirical evidence based data that will essentially hamper any impact on any policy reform so any successive governments that would follow they will then start afresh again even though data already right. would have been, you know calculated uh, and would and you know so we might be sitting on heaps of data right. but the demand is for education and health uh, you know for or, or you know to curb the poverty or you know ma- or, which are, which by the way are very important issues as well mm-hmm. but you know again you need to look at education and health indicators from a gender right, perspective right. lens again so um, you know so west employs all of these technical details and then they benchmark it as compared to us in the subcontinent where everything is haphazard right so oh, that's a very very important point uh, naima and you know i just had one uh, last question for you and this is an important one often in south asia we hear talk about reservation in legislatures whether it's parliament or local level legislatures for women Afghanistan already has it in parliament but in in countries like India such reservation is yet to become a reality but the, the question is two is in two parts so one is is such reservation important to implement a and some believe it won't work so what are your views on that yes you know even even uh, we in pakistan have a quota reservation but you know in my view personally quotas can only work um you know if the agency and by that i mean the power that comes with those quotas is also recognized so the subcontinent right. needs to empower their women and empowerment i just don't don't say in just a basic sense but empowerment in its very holistically um, you know the holistic sense which is not just made right. through quota system but actually treating them as equal humans first and then mobilizing them through right. laws that provide equal access to resources and you know to recourse that don't don't hamper uh, the growth of your women so for right. example uh, women are supposed to in our in 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 pakistan women are supposed to sit um, as directors in the public institutions but you know how many are they i can tell you that you know there is no consistent right. data on that and you know sure you know some you could say that you know a part of that is also women not having a unified uh, approach to it as well but i can also add to that that there is no awareness on that right, right. there's a massive of uh, awareness campaign as well so the, it needs to run in parallel uh, with any kind of you know quota or any reservation that goes uh, towards women because see essentially women will follow what men will tell them in in this you know in our part of the region sadly you know when it comes to you know how the how the political and you know 
Yeah, I think what you're saying is that in many cases, even if there's reservation or there is a law that mandates a certain amount of seats on a boat for women, often these are placeholders chosen by men. And that that's not what really works. What you need is independent women voices with genuine powers to implement what they think is right on the ground. Definitely, definitely. Great. Great. Well, Naima, Naima, thanks so much for being part of the show. I think some of the points that you made are critical, you know, from the use of data, from uh, how important it is to give genuine powers to women, but most importantly, the change in mindsets that are required, because unless there's a change in societal mindset, you won't really find a change in the ground reality. So thanks so much for being part of the show, Naima. Uh, gender equality is multi-nuanced and representation in power is a critical aspect of it. So thanks for making it clear how that is so. Thank you for having me, Ashtar. It's a real pleasure. And thank you all for listening. Please visit www.allindiansmatter.in for more columns, videos, and audio podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Ashraf Engineer. That's A-S-H-R-A-F-E-N-G-I-N-W-E-R. And All Indians Count. That's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-C-O-U-N-T. Search for the All Indians Matter page on Facebook. On Instagram, the handle is All Indians Matter. Catch you again soon. Studios.